Kelly Marie, Kelly Marie Mashbutt, how are you? Mariah, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Differently, different energy levels today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair. That's very fair. I think I'm um, on the upswing post a pretty boring day at work. So I'm happy to be here with you as per the usual, but especially today. Awesome. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready for a question? Yeah. Okay, great. Kelly, if books decided to also, I'd like to, sorry, before I even start, I'd like to give credit to our resident nice guy chat GPT for this question. I know he's causing some trouble in the world, but in our house, he's, he's doing good things like asking these questions. If books decided to throw a wild party on their own, which literary characters would be the life of the party and which ones would end up being the responsible in quotation marks, librarians trying to keep everything in order. Okay, these can be from different books, right? Yeah, I think it's kind of like the idea is your bookshelf has a party. Who's who's living it up and sleeping in the streets, as my grandma would say, and who's taming everybody down? Um, you know, I think I read a lot of, like, books with not fun people in them. I- <laughs> yeah, my bookshelf. <laughs> uh- <laughs> I know like, I had a really similar feeling actually. I'm looking at my bookshelf and I am like, I've read all of these and I don't want to party with any of these characters. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I'm looking at my bookshelves right now. And I <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There's a handful who I could see like making things a little bit exciting. For example, I have the Twilight series and I can just imagine. I don't, don't yuck my yum. I'm allowed to like whatever I want to. And also I recognize how problematic it is. So you're welcome. Who from Twilight are you thinking is the party? Alice. Hmm, yeah, she'd probably be fun. She's, party. She'd be very fun. I'm also, so I have a little like corner bookshelf that I can see very directly from where I'm sitting. And I have a separate piece sitting right next to a book called My Antonia, which is about um, a young woman who immigrated to the United States from, oh, this is one of my favorite books. I should know where she came from. Anyhow, um, it's sort of the story about like her living in the United States. And I feel like if Antonia could be here for a party right now, she'd be really excited about it. <laughs> Like, I just think she'd be just pumped to be a part of the party. And then Anne of Green Gables is right next to it. And they'd be good buddies. And then all the characters from a separate piece would be sad and dark academia. And they'd be like, this party is... So they're the librarian. <sighs> yeah, in some ways. I think that there's like one or two characters in that book who would have a good time. But mostly they'd be like, I don't know about this party. I think Finley Donovan has to be on the list for me. Oh, yes. She would be the life of the party unintentionally, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Jackson Waters, I feel like, is probably a good time at a party. So, <laughs> hey, don't yuck my yum. <laughs> or something. So I'm putting Jackson Waters on that one. Um, I just spun it along for the ride, and we already know that the main character in that one is not fun at parties. So. I, she starts food fights. She's totally fun, and she'll bring her bike because now if she knows how to win one. A food fight at a party that I throw, <laughs> you're kicked out. You're kicked out of my party. That's fair. I feel uh, like the characters from Begin Again would be a lot of fun too. Yes, I feel like they would have their own little sub party going on, 
and it would just sort of be like the quiet corner where people could go and calm down from the crazy parties that um what is her name yeah truthfully andy yeah truthfully i forgot what that book was i was like yeah begin again and i was like what book is that <laughs> um, and i remembered so we're all good i just told you I'm her glad. name um i feel i like the rom i organized my bookshelf by genre the rom-com portion of my shelf i feel like there's a lot of fun characters there that would have a great time and then above that i have thrillers and so mm-hmm. that's all like detectives who don't have friends and things like that <laughs> like or people who like think that they're getting killed or people who just deal with murder all day long so they're definitely the librarian type and then above that is my uh true crime books and mm-hmm. my like general fiction literary which is mostly like literary fiction books Mm -hmm. so they also i would not want to go to a party with especially the very top shelf the literary fiction true crime Mm -hmm. shelf i don't want to go to a party with any of those people (laughs) yeah they don't sound like a good time so my bookshelf (laughs) is separated by like essentially your rom-coms are my ya fiction and so i have like ya fiction goes into (laughs) the classics And then I have a separate shelf that is my true classics and all of my poetry books because I took one poetry class in college and then became actually obsessed. And the professor was incredible. And like, I could sit and listen to this man talk about poetry for the rest of my life. And it was just, it was amazing. I got to sit there and be an English major so hard for like an hour and a half, twice or three times a week. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, But then I have our book club books on a separate bookshelf. So between your bookshelf and my bookshelf, I feel like we have a good amount of the book genre, like general book genres covered. You and I have no overlapping (laughs) genres, though. Well, do you have any, like, memoir, nonfiction, self-help style books? Uh, My nonfiction books are true crime. Uh, (laughs) I have one nonfiction book about someone's first year in law school when I was considering going to law school. Uh-huh. It was a phenomenal read, though. I'd recommend it. It's called What's it called? One, it's called 1L, and it's really mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, and then I have one I have one Stephen King's on writing. Oh, I own that book, too. I bought it on your um, – That whole book is underlined. At a certain point, I was like, I should stop underlining because like, <laughs> there's nothing that's standing out. It's all underlined. Uh, yeah, and then outside of that, it's just true crime. So my nonfiction, I kept some of my books from college, mostly as reference material, because I have friends who will call me and be like, hey, my nephew or my like cousin's kid is having a hard time reading. What should they do to help him or her or whatever? And I'll be like, well, what's the real, what is the real problem? And then I pull out my textbooks and I like find reference material and I give them advice. And it's my favorite thing in the whole wide world. You still have your textbooks? Only a handful of the ones that came from classes that I liked. I rented all of mine. Mm. Yeah, I purchased them because I never knew which ones I was going to write in and which ones I wasn't. There were a handful that I rented. um, And I got rid of the ones that I hated. But, yeah, I kept most of them. Um, I was going to ask you something about textbooks. I can't remember what it was. But then I have, like, memoirs is sort of the other section of nonfiction memoirs are i like memoirs mm-hmm. and i have so many memoirs that i want to read on my list but yeah. i'm never in the mood to read them 
That's fair. I found that listening to memoirs makes my life a little bit easier. Um, I read, it's called Gang Leader for a Day, which is kind of a memoir. It's about a guy who is doing like a sociological study of the neighborhood near the school he goes to and essentially ends up like befriending the gang and understanding like why the gang exists and like what is its purpose in the society that's like or in this community and it was a really interesting read and it gave me a lot of like it opened my eyes to other sides of life and I was like man this is pretty good but I don't know if it's considered a memoir because it was like technically a study that he was doing so interesting it's still not i guess i forgot i don't have them they're in a box somewhere i they haven't made it to my bookshelf yet but the other genre of nonfiction that i read all the time is like lore books really yeah like american sniper lone survivor there's a ton of other ones that i've read Mm -hmm. that haven't been turned into movies but i love nonfiction. like i guess some of them it's memoirs but it's not always a memoir i love books on war interesting i don't know if i could handle that i feel like it would make me too emotional i'm kind of a wimp sometimes well that's okay i'm wimps in some areas of my life too i'm a wimp when it comes to poetry i will cry if you make me read poetry and i will cry because of poetry i'm not can i tell you something embarrassing that i might edit out because i'm i've got editing power this week yes (laughs) sometimes I will just pull out a poetry book from my shelf and I'll find a poem that I really loved in college and I will just like read it out loud until I cry. <laughs> and I usually cry reading it out loud. I don't know why. I don't know what I'm crying about, but it feels nice to have a little cry sometimes. See, poetry made me cry because I didn't understand it. <laughs> I remember I had to write a five page paper on a 12 line poem and uh-huh. I cried because I had no idea how that was possible. How can I possibly write five pages uh-huh. on a 12 line poem? Yeah. <laughs> I don't see any meaning in this. <laughs> I see. And I was obsessed with those papers because that meant that I got to look at as many angles as my worldview would let me. And I would point out like, this is an allusion to that. And like, this is probably about this. And here's the underlying story that is being told And it was my favorite thing to write a solid thesis statement and then to just like give you all the reasons why I was right. It was so good. Oh, I love it. I miss that. I had to do like a poetry paper for a final for one of my classes. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was doing. And it was due the next morning. It was Dollar Long Island tonight at Applebee's. Oh, no. (laughs) So my brother and I did Dollar Long Island. And then I went home, cranked it out. Sent it in, and I think I got an A on it. But Amazing. See, and that's the I other thing. I think the Long Islands for that paper. That, <laughs> well, I think that's the other thing is, like, oftentimes you just have to, like, see what isn't written there, if that makes any sense. That's kind of the whole... This is advice for any of our young listeners, Kelly. If you have to write a paper about poetry, look for what isn't there. You can write just as much about what the author didn't say as about what they did say. Which is just oh, I love and it so much. I am I'm way too concrete of a person to like I can read into things in like literature and TV shows and things yeah. like that, whatever. But like with poetry, like just freaking say what you want to say, man. <laughs> <laughs> mm, and I'm over here like 
you write that three letter or that three word poem. Kelly, I one time was in an American literature class where we read a poem and I think it's called the red wheelbarrow. It's like three lines and maybe 12 words. And we talked for an entire hour about it. I always fell asleep in those classes. Oh, and I was those obsessed were, those with were the, them. We were very different English majors yeah. as well. Those <laughs> were the classes where I was like, why did I ever decide to become an English major? That's amazing. And also the poetry class that I was taking was a grad level poetry class. So I was with a couple of grad students. It was amazing. It was so good. It blows my mind that anyone who has been to college previously would choose to go back to college and study poetry. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to so stinking bad. Like that would, if I didn't have to pay for school and I could just like go and like take classes, you better believe I'm going to audit some like writing classes and a couple of lit classes and some poetry. Like You have to know that that's in my future. I don't know when. I mean, I wouldn't mind going back and doing a writing class and certain English classes I would take again. Honestly, I'd take a Shakespeare class again. I didn't ever take one. I took two. (laughs) <laughs> and I was dreading both of them and they both ended up being like pretty fun because you read them and like you read most everybody reads Romeo and Juliet in high school mm-hmm. and like Romeo and Juliet is like okay whatever relatable for 15 year olds <laughs> but like honestly not the best Shakespeare the wildest person in the world like yeah. to write the plays that Shakespeare writes like Shakespeare would be fun at a party like that yeah. is wild in oh yeah you know what I have um so a Midsummer Night's Dream on my shelf and so all those characters are welcome and Shakespeare yeah and there's so many fun conspiracy theories about Shakespeare too we should do a whole episode about Shakespeare conspiracy theories because I'd like to know more about it is Shakespeare a woman or a group of people oh yeah that's the other big one mm-hmm I love it. I'm, I'm partial to the Shakespeare's a woman. I just, I like all of it. I like all of it. I mostly like Shakespeare's sonnets, though. Of course, because they're poems. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, but like, especially if you do the like spark notes, uh, Shakespeare plays. Yeah. With the like text and then like modern day english translation that is when you truly realize how wild the plays are like the modern day translation is like no way did (laughs) did they write this in the 1500s and we're still reading it today what Uh (laughs) uh-huh it makes you realize that life in the 1500s really was not so dissimilar from life today it's just a lot less technology (laughs) i listened to like it was technically an audiobook, but it was a like a radio show version of A Midsummer Night's Dream. I listened to it the past couple of days at work. It was so good. And I was like pretty lost. I would like to watch the film again because I really, that's one of my favorite movies. Um, but it was really enjoyable to like listen to the show play out and I could sort of remember the flow of it. But anyhow, I would love to hear that except in modern day English. I think that would be highly entertaining, problematic <laughs> and highly entertaining. We so. need, is there an adaptation already? I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Everyone listening to this has seen Twelfth Night, whether they know it or not, because everyone who doesn't like She's the Man. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't even know that I had seen Twelfth Night. I'm really proud of me, though, now that I've seen. Dude, did you she's not know? Twelfth, she's the, she's the Man is literally just a modern day Twelfth Night. That's amazing, which is kind of like 10 Things I Hate About You being a modern day Taming of the Shrew, right? Yeah. 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 Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And Twelfth Night is insane when you think about it because they only had male actors. 
So <laughs> when they actually performed it, they, it was a male actor pretending to be a female dressing up as a male. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yep. Pretty incredible when you think about it. Wow. <laughs> Shakespeare. Like, there's just so much comedy in that in, in and of itself. For real, though. Incredible. For real. I'm Kelly. And I'm Mariah. And this is Peak Distraction. A podcast about everything. All right, folks, it is a book club episode. Book club episode. And this month we read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Or Zavin, maybe? I don't know. Zavine. I should know this. Probably should have looked it up. Um, Sorry, Gabrielle. We it is a very you. popular book, though. So if you don't know what it is, you may not be a reader, which is fine. But that is, um, fine. That is the book that we read this month. And we're going to do our best to stick to the new format. Mm-hmm. We have one topic, and we're going <laughs> to see how far it takes us. And, yeah. you know, just this is just a forewarning to... Don't hate us if we talk about some of the characters in this book. Um, we're going to yeah. save it for as far to the end of the episode and near our reviews as possible, though, mm-hmm. because we want to stick to the new format. But it yeah. was really, it's really hard with this book. There's not much to yes. talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, do we normally start with the like? Um, I the review is not the word. The summary of the book. Yeah, do you want to read the summary of the book? I would be honored to. Are you ready for me to read it? I'm ready. Okay. <clears throat> On a bitter cold day in the December of his junior year at Harvard, Sam, how have you been saying his last name? Mauser? I was saying Mauser. Thank you. Sam Mauser exits a subway car and sees, amid the hordes of people waiting on the platform, Sadie Green. He calls her name. For a moment, she pretends she hasn't heard him, but then she turns and a game begins a legendary collaboration that will launch them into stardom. These friends, intimate since childhood, borrow money, beg favors, and before even graduating college, they have created their first blockbuster, Ichigo. Overnight, the world is theirs. Not even 25 years old, Sam and Sadie are brilliant, successful, and rich, but these qualities won't protect them from their own creative ambitions or betrayals of their hearts. Spanning 30 years from Cambridge, Massachusetts to Venice Beach, California, and lands in and lands in between and far beyond. Gabrielle Zavine's "Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow" is a dazzling, oh my gosh, is a dazzlingly and intricately imagined novel that examines the multifarious nature of identity, disability, failure, the redemptive possibilities in play, and above all, our need to connect, to be loved, and to love. Yes, it is a love story, but it is not one you have read before. Sorry, and I fumbled. The- If you're wondering if the rest of the book is that wordy, the answer is yes. (laughs) I also don't like the use of the word intimates because isn't that how people describe like bras and underwear? It totally is. It totally is. Maybe Maybe each other's bra and underwear. (laughs) I mean, they, anyhow. Yeah, it is intimates. I don't like that. Initially, I thought it was inmates. I was like, (laughs) I had to reread so many words in this book. (laughs) 
They were, because I was reading them wrong, and I was like, I was reading them so wrong that it was a completely different word that uh-huh. really changed the meaning of things, and I was like, did she really mean that? And then, <laughs> then I reread it, and I was like, no, I just read it wrong. I am just a little bit illiterate. That's okay. Um, Honestly, the whole book was made of, like, big, big words. I had to take, like, a my bookmark and cover the rest of the page and read it line by line, because I couldn't focus and, like... I I wanted to skim to the bottom of the page. I was like, you can't skim this book. I felt really, really dumb reading this book most of the time. (laughs) Same. There, honestly, I knew... uh, There were more words I didn't know in this book than words I I do know. Uh And usually if there's a big word that I don't know, I'll look it up. But that was not the case with this book because it was every other word. It was a word I didn't know. I used a lot of context clues for this reading. Uh, and okay, this is like, I like, this is something that I've learned from English teachers. And like, as an English teacher, I always say as well, like, use a thesaurus, but cautiously. Like, mm. if you don't know, maybe this author has like the best vocabulary on earth. But like, I think she uses does. a thesaurus to help you come up with more descriptive adjectives and verbs, right? But if you don't know what they mean, don't put them in there. I'm just going to flip to a random page and find a word that I don't know the meaning of. It happened a lot really early in the book. Um, But you know what was interesting, though? This is the only, like, nerdy English major thing I'm going to say. I really felt, while I was reading, like I was in the minds of the characters. And so... I wasn't bothered by the big words because I was like, honestly, Sam would talk like that. Okay, but question. Mm -hmm. At what point does a big vocabulary like that in a book, at what point does it become a hindrance to the reader and also pretty pretentious and a little show-off-y? I think think the point was for it to be pretentious and show-off-y. I think that was kind of the goal. Okay, well, if that was the goal, then it achieved that. But I was thinking about that question, and I was like, I don't know where the line is, but this book is far past it. Like, okay, you can use big words, cool. That's so fun. We had very different experiences reading this book is what I'm learning. This is not a reflection of my overall review of the book. I just... Um, they'll give my review at the end, but this, like, I I am genuinely wondering, like, what is the threshold? Because, like, you know, romance books, like, never have big vocabulary words, right? Like, super easy reading. And, but, like, at at what point does it become almost inaccessible to many people? Because, like, whether Mm. you, like, most of them, okay, I still got the meaning out of the book without knowing all of the big words, right? And, like, context clues, right? But, like, I don't want to read big words like that. I'm a romance reader, okay? I don't. I read thrillers and romance. I don't read the big vocabulary books. Um, so, like, at what point does it become like a hindrance to a reader? And like, as an author, you are selling your books, right? Yeah. So, like, is well, that something know. you think about as an author? Like, I should maybe dumb this down a little bit because I am writing this for the general public. But was it for the like? That's my. That was my question. Is like, who did this author have in mind as her audience as she was writing? You know, like, was it everybody on the street or was it like, no, the people who are going to get this book are the people who I want reading it. That's true. Like, I guess maybe. Like, like the John Greens of the world, honestly, because John Green is the first review on the back of the book. Like, 
of course he loved it. The John Greens of the world could absolutely be the audience of this book. That makes sense to me. Yeah, that's true. Whereas, like, I'm what I think I'm a, probably approaching this from more of like a business mindset, like a mm-hmm. publishing company would approach it. Like, the target audience is anyone who's gonna buy it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's amazing because she did. She sold it. It was on Jimmy Fallon's book club. It was his first book club book. Did you, you know, know that? Fallon has a book club? I guess. God, all celebrities have a I, book club now. Us included. Gosh. Yeah, God. Got a team. Hey, there's Jimmy Fallon's book club. There's Reese's book club. There's Oprah's book club. And there's Peak Distraction Podcast book club. <laughs> Oprah always chooses sad books. We don't. I think you should listen to our book club and not Oprah's as much. Just so far, I'm going to guess and say that we have the widest variety of books. <laughs> I don't know. Jimmy Fallon might have a wide variety, too. Reese's is pretty good. In All terms that of I know variety. about. Yeah. Her picks are hit or miss, though. I've read a lot of her picks and I end up hating a lot of them. So, Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. There was a really bad streak there where every Reese's book club book I read, I was like, this is two to three stars at best. Oh. Some of them have been really—that's a low rating. Yeah, and some of them have been really good, but some of them have been like low hitters for sure. Mm, Yeah, but all of ours have been ten out of ten. So every single one of them pick the best books possible. (laughs) I never gave any of them below one star. We are much better at picking books than Reese's employees. Yeah, you know what? I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm proud of us. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know. I guess maybe maybe this book wasn't intended for me then. I, <laughs> I also kind of liked the challenge of it because it did uh, something I said to a friend of mine um, last week. I was getting coffee with a friend and I was like, honestly, I could see one of my college professors teaching this book as like a literary because it's, it's literary. It's literary, yeah. See, that's the thing. I don't love literary fiction outside of like teaching it. Mm. I know it's really powerful. I know it's always, like there's a reason this book is so popular. Yeah. Really good writing, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, all of the things. But when I pick up a book, I want to read something fun. I don't want to <laughs> read something that's going to challenge me. It's probably because you're an English teacher. If I wanted you're- to challenge myself, <laughs> I would go to the gym. Yeah. Also, you like have to consume literary fiction for nine months out of the year. That's true. And I do have to I, do that for my job. And I don't. So I was excited about it. And I, th- I genuinely think that if I was teaching like anything above middle school English, I would probably feel the same way. Like, no, that's my job. Leave my job at my job and let me read a YA rom-com where the girl learns to ride a bike and then has a food fight. And it's the pinnacle of her, like her or hero's journey or her building's room on. Better. Let me read Finley Donovan where there is a crazy <laughs> 35-year-old who has just found herself in the middle of murders and mobsters. Incredible. Finley Donovan, I just, I want to reach out to that author and be like, thank you for writing such enjoyable books. They're so I want good. to be best friends with the author. <laughs> Same, um, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. It always comes back to Finley Donovan. <laughs> in the, in All roads lead podcast. to Finley Donovan. Yes. <laughs> Twilight, but recently Finley Donovan. <laughs> I was just gonna say all roads do lead to Twilight. However, that's what a lot of people will tell you in my personal life. That with me, a lot of roads lead to Twilight, and I don't really know how that happened. So, three years ago, three years ago, Kelly, I made the very bold statement that I don't think anyone should read Twilight, 
And I said, it's not a moral thing. It's just a human thing. And I know this because my friend took a picture of me and then saved the Snapchat with me, like my quote of saying that. (laughs) Okay, but truthfully, if you are not 11 years old, do not read Twilight. Yeah, don't try reading it as an adult and thinking you're probably going to enjoy it. Like, I enjoy the nostalgia factor of it. Yeah, I thought the books were incredible when I was 11. I think if I read the books now, I would have to, like, lock myself into a a, a bare room. (laughs) I love rereading Twilight, mostly because, A, the nostalgia, and B, because I love being like, who thinks like this? And who thinks teenagers think like this? I love, I love picking it apart. It's... It's like a background hyperfixation for me, and it is really enjoyable. So, I love that for you. Thank I you. I do. I do. Okay, actually, that reminds me. I, I saw. I don't know if it was on Threads or Twitter, <laughs> but actually, I'm pretty sure it was on Threads. And they're like, "I love that for you." Is the modern is like the modern day bless your. It's like same vibes <laughs> as bless her, bless your heart. <laughs> yep. Yeah, <laughs> I love that for you. Oh, I love that for you. Yeah. That's funny. Well, fine. Bless my heart. I didn't you didn't mean it in that way, but it just made me think about that. <laughs> I figured you didn't. And you yeah. know what? Sometimes I like to live in blissful ignorance and just believe the words coming out of people's mouths rather than the tone behind them, which causes problems. But I like to do it anyhow. What is tone anyways? <laughs> Who cares about that? I don't. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> If someone's got a problem with me, they have to tell me then. It's my way of telling people, if you've got a problem, you're going to learn to confront it. That <laughs> is like the person who loves poetry. If I ever have a problem with you, I'm just going to write you a cryptic poem. <laughs> figuring this out. <laughs> poetry is different from interpersonal relationships, Kelly. I'm only going to communicate with you through poems now. <laughs> Okay, you know what? I think you're probably going to grow a lot and you're going to learn to love poetry. I hate poetry so much, but I love committing to outrageous plans like this more. (laughs) You like to commit to the bit. I do. I do. I'll do anything to the bit. That is something I should probably go to therapy for. That and my untimely (laughs) saying of jokes. So... Maybe while you're in therapy, you could write me a poem. I don't know. Just a thought. No, literally, now that you say that, though, something I've been thinking about a lot since I've, like, become an adult. And, like, really recently, I was like, God, I can't turn everything into a joke. And just because I think everything's funny doesn't mean it's appropriate to share. Oh, that's relatable. And it's all because, like, I literally will sometimes think, like, I could provide a genuine response to this text message. Or I could say a joke because there was something funny in there that I can work with. And I'm uh-huh. like, not everything's a bit. Not everything's a bit. <laughs> um, so over text, that's rarely like I have a really hard time finding the bit in things because I can't I it's just not how my brain works. But in person, I'm very much the same way. There'll be times where I'll say something and then I'll immediately be like, Why? Why did you pull the joke out of that? And then sometimes to make it even worse, I have to explain the joke because it's so like niche and so like, twined up in my brain. So painful. I'm first of all, I'm pretty sure that is just impulsivity, like ADHD yeah. impulsiveness. A hundred percent. That's what it yes. is. Like I will say the joke over not saying the joke because uh-huh. I think it's funny. Um, yep. And then the whole like having to explain the joke thing and the niche jokes. That is a hundred percent 
why I had social anxiety in high school and never talked to anyone because I was like, truth be told, I'm funny as hell, but I am just so worried that no one else is going to get my jokes. <laughs> so I'm just going to not talk because all I think of is jokes. <laughs> um, so what I'm hearing is that we had very similar thought processes as teenagers, except my process was if I can make them laugh, I can make them like me. And if they like me, then life won't suck as much. And it turns out that other people's approval is not a good way to grow self-esteem. Who would have thought? I know. Shocking. Shocking. Yeah. The the jokes are also why I often got kicked out of youth group in high school. (laughs) So I did not know that about you. Wait, I vividly remember, I think it was like eighth grade, we were watching like Prince Caspian and I could not shut my mouth and I was making jokes the entire time and everybody around me was laughing. So I Uh kept going because I was like, my jokes are hilarious. And then all of a sudden the the youth minister paused the movie (gasps) and opened up the door and was like, Kelly, leave. (laughs) I couldn't watch the rest of the movie. And like now... As an adult who works with teenagers, honestly, I understand having those days, you know, like Uh having a day and I was just adding to it. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, that was not the only time that that has happened in my life. I've often gotten kicked out in the things because that was (laughs) funny. God. Because you were just hilarious. And you know what? Whose fault is that? Not yours. (laughs) Okay. So just to be clear, youth minister, you're kicking me out. Because I'm hilarious. <laughs> because my jokes were too good? Because I'm more entertaining than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, well, when I have a really successful podcast that's comedy, you'll be eating your words. <laughs> Which definitely she was having one of those days because oh. the youth group activity was watching a movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oof. Uh... <laughs> That's tough, though, dude. Do it for the bit, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I Yes, I would do just about anything to commit to the bit. It's, yeah. <laughs> commit to the bit. I <laughs> Literally, when I tell you that I committed, like, there are bits that I had in high school that I committed to, I think, for, like, the whole four years I was in high school. And it was, like, the dumbest things. I am so glad that I never have to be in high school again because... Yeah. I don't I have to com- go back to my old yeah. bit. I would commit to the bit so hard that it became a personality trait. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, yes. Yep. Yep. Oh, gosh. Peak Distraction Podcast Playbook on Life. Rule number one, <laughs> always commit to the bit. <laughs> and if you're not going to, then don't start a bit with somebody, okay? Because maybe they're really committed to it. And if it's an uneven committedness... It's never going to work out. Someone's going to be sad and it's probably going to be them. And then kind of like a, it's like a kind of like one a Uh would be do everything for the jokes. (laughs) 90% of the time, because there's 10% of the time where it's not appropriate to do everything for the jokes. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I guess. I guess. I guess. Whatever whatever as adults maybe that's true so okay sorry revision 1a revised (laughs) do everything 90 percent of the time for the jokes perfect perfect i think that that's i think that these are good rules we should have someone write them down for us 
if and you're good at writing things down, we'd like to hire you. Bonus, it's not wordy. So <laughs> the general public can consume it without wanting to throw the book across the room. <laughs> We're probably not going to use big words that you've literally never heard in your life and probably will never hear again. <laughs> I can't even like think of a big word that people may not know. That's how many big words I know. So... <laughs> I feel like I used to have big words in my vocabulary and then I stopped being in school. Oh, I mean, I guess like mimesis doesn't mean anything to anyone outside of the literary world. It's literally just like art copies real life and real life copies art. Or that's not even a good description. I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try. I had a no big words here, folks. No big <laughs> words. <laughs> we have an Average size vocabulary. Whatever you do, don't look at my Mises because I gave you like a quarter of the definition. It's a long explanation. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. We are living products of what social media can do to deteriorate your vocabulary. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? I read often. It does not improve my vocabulary. So science is a lie. Except... (laughs) You are the one who said that you read you read books that intentionally never use big words. I okay, like I don't I don't read them because they don't use big. That was maybe a dumb thing for me to say, right? <laughs> I, I enjoy rom-coms and thrillers and honestly, sometimes thrillers, especially the British ones, use insane amounts of big words. That's so. fair. I don't read enough thrillers. I listen once again, I listen to YA thrillers because that is my comfort like YA novels are a safe space for me. I know that I'll understand the plot and no one's going to question, like, is that really what happened in the book? (laughs) Because no one ever has to question that. Do people ever ask you when you tell them about a book if that's really what happened in the book? In college. (laughs) Well, that's because you were talking to English majors. That's exactly it. And it wasn't my, it was never my peers. It would be professors being like, don't tell me what you thought about it. Just tell me what happened. And I'd be like, honestly, nice try to get me to stop talking about my feelings, but it's never going to happen. Can I tell you my version of what happened in this book? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm a little scared. (laughs) Two little bitches who who like to play video games said, said, hey, let's make a video game together. And they were really shitty friends to each other throughout Mm -hmm. life. And she tries to pass it off as a love story, but truthfully, they're really just like pretentious and selfish and shitty friends throughout the entire book. So that's what happens. And the best character dies. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> um, I will save my thoughts about what happened in the book until my review. That is that is not my thoughts on one half. That is okay, maybe that is that's yeah. not my review of the book, but from my perspective, that's what happened. That was your very, very um, opinionated language, quote unquote, subjective there version were of the book. No opinions in that. <laughs> you called them little bitches. That's an opinion. Okay, but give me some evidence that they aren't little bitches. In 400 pages, I don't think you could find much to refute that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm over here when I read it, I said, This is a book about the human condition. And I'm a firm believer in and not- humans can be little bitches. <laughs> yes, a lot of it was about the ways that humans fail. And also, sometimes you got to look that right in the face. And it doesn't make you a little bitch to make a mistake. Uh... Maybe for a minute it does. But see what I mean? Opinionated language. That changes everything. 
Okay, fine. <laughs> You're gonna be very shocked by my review. Um, maybe not. I don't know. I saw I saw your star rating on oh okay. Storygraph. Well, then don't come at me. You already know what I rated it. <laughs> I'm not coming at you. I'm just saying that I, that's not how I would have uh, broken down the book. That's all. You're being an English teacher right now. You're being <laughs> your English professor. <laughs> I don't know how to stop being that. <laughs> okay we need to move on i need to know about the video games you played as a kid i played so many i was a little gamer girl were you i like not like the video games like that you're probably thinking of you know like i didn't play any of the ones that were mentioned in the book which there were so many cool ones mentioned in the book my brothers played tons of video games growing up so i would often watch them play so i like Mm -hmm. watched through I loved watching 007 and Tony Hawk. Those were fantastic games that I really, really, really loved watching my brothers play. Um, I, when I was like a nanny, I would sometimes play Call of Duty too. And it was kind of fun. I don't know. I do like video games because you're like, it's a story. It's like reading. It's a story. Mm -hmm. But you get to play in the story, which is like really cool. Yeah. I never got into video games, mostly because my, like, hand-eye coordination was bad. And so I couldn't, like, click the buttons fast enough because it always felt like there were just too many buttons on the controller that did too many different things. And I was like, I can't figure out how to make this character go to the left. I figured out how to make them go straight and to the right. And I can't, I don't, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I often didn't play the video games that, like, involved, like, controllers like that. I think Mm -hmm. I had a Game Boy Color and I had one Kirby game, I think. But I did play video games. I mostly played the RPG games, though. Like, Mapletown. Like, the role-play games. Yeah, yeah. Like, Mimic Real Life. Sims, we did a... I talked for, like, a whole episode about Sims. So if you want to hear me talk about Sims... Yeah, we write Sims, not tragedies. Go listen to that episode. I won't talk about it more here, but I love Sims. But, like, even before that, there was a game, and uh, I was literally just talking about this this weekend, and now I I think it was called Dream Life. Oh, I remember seeing, like, ads for Dream Life. So fun. Me and my childhood bestie had so much fun playing this game it plugged into your tv but it was like its own little console and it had like Uh a little remote and it was an rpg game and you were basically like a high school student and it was like Mm -hmm. a shitty version of sims essentially yeah you were playing this character you went to high school during passing time you could talk to boys and like flirt with them and get them (laughs) to become your boyfriend after school, you could go to the mall and you could hang out in the food court. You could go shopping. Wow. You could buy new clothes. Um, you could sign up for different classes. So I would always sign up for like like extracurricular classes in sports. So I, I'd always <laughs> sign up for dance class and uh, all these other things and all these other activities. Um, and you just like played through this life. And part of the goal was like mm-hmm. always like get a boyfriend too. So it was hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, it was so fun. It was such a fun video game. I spent hours of my life playing that game. Does your mom probably sell the console, do you think? Oh, definitely not. Shoot. Definitely not. I would be curious to see if I could find one on eBay, though, or something. I would 100% buy that for the nostalgia. I I saw, like, a reel or a TikTok of someone who found one at, like, a, a Goodwill or something. And they plugged it. They, like, cleaned it up and plugged it in and it worked. I would I think it, I think it was that game. That game was so fun. <laughs> 
I can see the nostalgia all over your face. I know. I'm just like thinking about it now. That game was like a huge part of my childhood. Uh, yeah, so I mostly did games like that. And then also I was a sucker for all of the Disney Channel games and also <laughs> Webkins. Yeah. Heck Amazing. yes. <laughs> okay, so you have played a lot more games than I did. I played like the Barbie website games. Yes, those ones were fun. They were so fun. Polly and the Pockets. PBS games. Yes, the PBS games were good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Polly Pockets also had a website. I was obsessed. I did not know that. I actually liked the Polly Pocket games more than I liked the Barbie games. I wish we would have been friends as small children so you could have told me about the Polly Pockets website. Yeah. Because I would have eaten that up. It was a fun website. I have a vivid memory, actually, of the first, like, family computer that had internet connection in, like, my childhood. And I remember my dad, like, was in a meeting and his office was in our house. And I remember he, like, set me up with pbskids.org and I was playing a game... And then I didn't know if I was going to break the computer by exiting out of the window, like the internet window. And I was like really scared I was going to do something like to ruin the computer. Okay, you know what? I feel like that's not unfounded because back in the day it was a red X. Yeah, so yes. if, if this is like your first time using a computer, instinct says don't click the red X. <laughs> something yes. bad is going to happen if you click the red X. Exactly. Thank you so much because yes, exactly. I literally, and I remember sitting there and just being like, I don't know. My dad is in a meeting. I can't, I can't interrupt that business meeting for this. I'll just have to like sit here and wait, I guess. <laughs> and then by the time I was a teenager, I was like watching hours of YouTube videos of people vlogging in the early days of vlogging. And I was obsessed. So, so you moved from games to watching to vlogs. Yeah. The That's human fair. experience. That's fair. <laughs> I wonder if there is a difference in having older brothers or not. Because, like, my brothers mm. played video all the time. So, my family had a Nintendo 64, I think is what it's called. It was a gray console with, yes. like, the purple. You know what I'm talking yes. about? Okay, great. Um, so, my sisters played that a lot. And their boyfriends played that a lot. And I just never got into it. I just didn't didn't care for it one time in high school i did ask a boy to teach me how to play a video game because i had a crush on him a little tiny baby crush and he did not have a crush on me and that's okay but he did i did try to learn how to play i don't know maybe it was call of duty or something like that and it went very poorly because like i said i couldn't figure out how to go left (laughs) (laughs) so most of my video game experiences are like pretty traumatic (laughs) childhood sadnesses just pretty traumatic it's okay. Well, I bummer. lived through all of them. Feel like <laughs> there were other games. Oh, I currently in my adult life, mm-hmm. I love playing the Harry Potter Lego game. It's a two-person <gasps> game, and it's actually very fun. Is that what console is that on, or is that a computer game? Um, I think it's on the Switch. Nice. I yeah. love that. That one's fun. Mario Party is always a good party game. See, and I Mario Kart. Love well, it. I was. <laughs> that was one of the games that I was like traumatized by as a child. And I'd like to put out a disclaimer that if these were the worst traumas in my childhood, my ch- it, they were not, but <laughs> if they are the ones that I'm thinking about right now, it's like not that big of a deal at all. But I literally was like, didn't play Mario Kart from the time I was five until I think I was like 13 or 14. And then I didn't play again until literally a month ago. And some of my cousins who are teenagers were like, Mariah, we're going to heal your childhood trauma. And I was like, Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and we played Mario Kart together. It was great. 
So you're not a gamer girl. It's fine. I'm it's not, fine. Really we not. can't all be gamer girls. That's true. That's true. One way that we are, one more way that we're just different, and that's okay. <laughs> Me with my sins. You, <laughs> you're such a hardcore gamer, Kelly. And I'm such over a here. hardcore gamer. I recognized the names of a lot of the games that they mentioned. Same. That's something, right? Did you ever play Oregon Trail? <laughs> um, I feel like a couple of times, but I feel like that was more so a little bit before our time. That's true. I remember having a lot of friends in elementary school when we had computer labs. Do you yes. remember those days? I played wow. Oregon Trail in the com- in computer mm-hmm. lab. Yeah. Yeah. So my friends played a lot of Oregon Trail, but for some reason I had it in my head that I couldn't play it. Doesn't like I don't know why, but they would be talking about it, and I remember thinking like, "Oh, that sounds like a fun game." And for some reason, I just was like, "Nope, that's not a game you get to play." Isn't that weird? And I never, yeah. I never told you anyone until I was reading it? this. No. Yeah. Yeah, until until I was That's reading this, sad. I had never thought about it. That I had just like limited myself in that way. I committed to the bit of being a person who's not allowed to play Oregon Trail. <laughs> oh, that was ten percent of the time, Mariah. Not everything is a bit. You're Come just on. making up rules about your yeah. own video game playing abilities. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I this okay. The game. Mm, sorry okay the games that were described and like the games that these characters made not very similar at all but like it and maybe this is because it's the most recent thing i've watched that Mm -hmm. has to do with a video game but it just reminded me of the last of us i don't think i've even heard of that Mariah, how have you not heard of The Last of Us? <laughs> or if I have, I literally, is it a it's, movie or a TV? It's, it's, it H- it's the HBO Max show. And like, okay. rave reviews. It was all over social media. Everybody was talking about it for the eight weeks that it was coming out this spring. <laughs> I I don't, I'm on a very different side of the internet than you are. <laughs> literally had one of the most beautiful love story episodes ever. It's about the apocalypse. Oh, see, I Basically. can't handle okay. this. And it is about, um, basically, the main character, she was bitten by, like, a zombie, and yeah. she healed and didn't turn into a zombie. Oh. And so, Joel, who is this man who's trying to find his brother across the country, is taking her across the country because they think that she might be able to be part of a cure. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, or like a vaccine so that people can mm-hmm. like get back to normal society. Um, and so it's about their journey across the country um, as they're trying to, he's trying to find his brother and she's trying to be a cure for the world. And it. it is an intense show. Mm-hmm. And seriously, like I cried in almost every single episode. Like yeah. so well written, but it's based off of a video game. Oh. And when we finished the show, uh, Jacob showed me some like playthrough videos on YouTube mm-hmm. of the game, and they were like to a T exact, which the author of the game also wrote the show, which is why oh, but they kept awesome. it like very true to the story, mm-hmm. um, which was incredible. And it just like I know Jacob has played it and was really excited, but like everybody who has played this game talks about like the story in this game and like the journey and like the incredible characters. Mm-hmm. And so just the way that they talked about video games reminded me of that because I feel like that is a game that is just known for being like it has this incredible story and these incredible yeah. characters that you get to play, which makes it just so amazing and like yeah. something that people love to consume. 
And like it did just mm. as the same thing as a TV show as well. So interesting. So I now listening to you talk about it, I have like seen the um not cover art, but you know what I'm talking like I've seen the yeah. images from yeah. the show. I avoid most literature or film like any media that's actually serious and I have ever since my mom died like anything that's gonna make me cry I just can't I can't take media and put it in that part of my brain I just avoided it almost all costs and like anything that I perceive as maybe being serious I don't watch it (laughs) it's like problematic because it's like that would be a really good show to watch I bet I would really enjoy it I don't know if I could handle it that's so incredible I could barely handle Encanto. You know what I mean? I've never seen Encanto. It's really good. Wait, maybe that's the one I have seen. I don't know. I don't (laughs) watch many Disney movies. I somehow end up watching a lot of them, and I don't know how that is, but I do. I watched Coco with, like, one of my guy friends in college. We would sometimes have movie nights, and he was like, are you okay with watching Coco? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And at the end, he goes, actually, I wanted to watch this with you because I want to know what you believe about the afterlife. <laughs> and I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> we had very different worldviews. And he was like, I just want to see what you think about it versus what I think about it. He really liked thinking. And so we- Sounds like it. <laughs> I think we talked for like two hours because I was up until like 3 a.m. that night. I remember vividly walking back to my apartment and being like, it is the middle of the freaking night, but he and I talked for like two or three hours about the afterlife and like the portrayal of it in this like children's movie. And how does that line up with whatever? And it was an interesting conversation. And I really loved that guy. Exactly. Intense way to watch Coco. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) An intense way to watch any Disney movie. Honestly, when someone says, okay, tell me about your worldviews right now. (laughs) Yikes. Okay. okay. (laughs) It was good though. He and I got along really well. We were good. We were good buddies, and so it was okay. With that, should we give our book reviews? We've already been at it Absolutely. for an hour. Yes, Kelly. Do you want me to start with the book review that was written into our podcast? Let's end with that. Okay, perfect. Okay, um, I'll let you give your review first. Okay, I'm I'm cool with that. Okay. Okay, so I gave this book five out of five stars. Um, I this was genuinely when I said like since my mom died, I've avoided serious media like there are one or two things that I've watched and when I said I couldn't handle Encanto that was mostly a joke I was doing it for the bit but also I cried for sure um (laughs) but this was like the most serious piece of media I've taken in that is long um and I cried a number of times and I think that it is a story of like the problems that come up when you don't just say what's on your heart and what's on your mind. And that happens to all of us at different times. Um, I think that it was really painful because it just kept happening. Like the characters just spent a lot of time not growing out of that and not just saying like, hey, I think that you're doing this. What do you think? Um, Because that would have cleared up a lot of the issues I think that the characters had. Um, There, like Kelly said, there's a character who dies and reading that section of the book I had an ugly cry afterwards because it was it was written so well and it was just like such a beautiful reflection on death and um yeah that was just like one of the things that came up a lot in this book because in a in a video game right you can die and come back to life right away and that was talked about a couple of times um I really enjoy literary fiction so I really really enjoyed it five out of five stars um, I'm curious to see what else this author has written and if it's anything like this, because I looked at it and it didn't seem to be 
um, very similar. Uh, but I'm excited to read more of what she has after I have emotionally recovered from this book. <laughs> and that is my review. Kelly, what did you think? All right. So I don't know. I feel like I might change my rating on this eventually. I did. I did rate it four and a half stars, but I had a hard time rating it because I felt kind of weird about the book. Like it was an incredible book. I was at times really sucked into it. It was very well written. Characters are well crafted and they're so human like. And I love books that span long amounts of time. I loved that it we got to see them in college and then we also got to see them as like 37 year olds. I love that. Um, and I also really enjoyed hearing about the video games and like learning about some video games and learning about a little bit about what goes into that. And there were some video game names or mentions that just felt like really nostalgic. And I liked that nostalgia was kind of built into this as well. And I also like how she tackled some really important topics as well. And I thought those were included very well and not like super in your face, but like just felt really human and like genuinely part of the story. Um, I took a half a star off and this is where I like didn't know how I felt. I was like, I hated both of the main characters because it was, and okay, I guess before this, I think I forgot to mention, I also do have an appreciation for like love stories that are not love stories. And so I thought we were getting a love story that is not actually a love story. More so, it just felt like two people who create together and are just really shitty friends to each other and even though it's kind of a toxic friendship they're going to keep creating together anyways and so I feel like it wasn't totally what I was expecting in terms of that so I took half like 0.25 stars off for that because it was like at the end of the day they both really suck (laughs) um but uh then the other 0.25 stars I took off um I thought this was maybe because I binge read this book in two days and this was not a binge read book, but I thought that the last 50 pages did not stand up to the rest of the book. I really, really hated. I thought it went downhill when there was the section on like the pioneer, like the Oregon Trail um, spinoff or whatever. I countless times had to check how many pages were left in that chapter and I, I I almost skipped that section because I did not enjoy it it was super boring and again I I that could have been because I was binge reading it but and then even after that I was like she lost me she lost me with that pioneer section I don't really care to finish this book um and I was reading through some other reviews on Storygraph and I was not the only one that thought that there were a few reviews that mentioned that like the first 350 pages are fantastic and then the last 50 pages are like meh (laughs) um so yeah so I took another 0.25 stars off from that it wasn't enough to like totally ruin the book you know I still thought it was incredible but I was like it could have ended better um Mariah you can I guess that's kind of the end of my review but Mariah you can chime in on this if you want I kind of got the vibe that the pioneer section Mm -hmm. that to me felt like she wrote a short story and then modeled an entire novel off of the short story. Whoa, I didn't even think about that. But th- honestly, that makes that would make a lot of sense to me. Truthfully, that's what it felt like, is that this was a short story she wrote for like mm-hmm. something else, whether just for fun or for a class or something or whatever. Yeah. But it felt like a short story and then it felt like she had crafted a novel around this short story. 
and then like included the short story at the end. If this book was a short story, I would be even more like, I don't think I'm obsessed with this book. I thought it was powerful, but I think that if it was, if it was written as a short story, I would be obsessed. Like anyhow. Well, yeah, like, you know, like it felt yeah. like she had written the pioneer section, yeah. like as a separate thing, as a separate yeah. thing. Honestly, I don't know. That would not surprise me. I could be wrong about that. That was just like kind of what I thought when I was reading it. Cause mm -hmm. it was so different from every other part of the book. Yeah, that's, that is true. That is, I really was trying to figure out like, while I was reading that part, I was like, is this, is this actually, did he do the thing and that they're playing a video game and like. Yeah, I was asking a lot of questions during that. I, that, she lost me. She lost me there. I, you know what? I think that that section of the book probably could have been taken out and it could have been like a couple of like paragraphs maybe. I think the book could have been 350 pages. <laughs> Instead so you're saying just completely pages. get rid of the pioneer section? Yes. Which was like 50 pages, I'm pretty was sure. Was it really? It was very long. It was way longer than it needed to be. Let me see. I'm going to look now because I'm being very, I'm super curious. Um, it was just under 30 pages, but it did feel long. It felt, it felt really long. <laughs> I can see why you thought it was 50. Because the part of the book did sort of drag and also like... I don't know. I can see why that point was important in the book. Yeah. But I agree with you that it could have been, I think that it could have been executed way differently and it could have yeah. been more poignant. And yeah. Well, and, and then read. at that point in the story too, like then I, I didn't even want to read the next 25 pages because honestly, at that point I was a little sick of reading <laughs> about Sam and Sadie's friendship because they're just such not good friends together and they can't figure it out because neither of them can get over their shit. And so I was like, cause like Marx was always the buffer between them. Yeah. And I really enjoyed Marx as a character and I don't know. He kind of like balanced them out. And so then it was like, okay, this is the same shit that's been happening since they were 11 and we're now like, we've read this before. I don't want to read this again. They are That's bad so friends funny. to each yeah. other, and they're always going to be there for each other. We get it. Okay. I <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a really... No, that's a really interesting, like, perspective of the book. Because I read it as, like, oh, she wrote Human Beings Whose Psychology. Like, I understand more than I would like to. Like, I, I truly felt like we knew these people. And the only difference between like knowing someone and reading a character in a book is that you know what they're thinking all the time when you're reading a book. And I just felt like, I don't know, maybe I was being too nice to both of them. And I just was like, I can see where you're coming from, sweetie. Cut the crap, be better, but also like, I get it. That's not a good excuse, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. It felt like the rest of the book was like really profound. And then the ending yeah. just felt like I was trying to be a profound insight on friendships <laughs> and it really didn't seem all that profound to me like yeah the, the like it was like yeah they've been in each other's lives since they were 11 and they own a company together of course they're gonna still make games together <laughs> I didn't I didn't think the ending was profound at all I just was like I literally turned the page and went that's the end because <laughs> I was not expecting like the last sent I think that what I was surprised by was that it didn't and I also didn't binge read the second or like the last 25% of the book I binge read the first 75% in a day 
and was like emotionally drained and then let the 25% be over a couple of days. And so for me, I think that that was part of the reason we had really different experiences reading it too, was because I think that it was easier to binge read the first part of the book and then come back to it later. For sure. For sure. Um, It would have been. But I literally like the last sentence says he would know her handwriting anywhere, which like, that's very sweet. And we could talk about it for days if we were in an English class, but I didn't think that that was like, profound because he had said things like that throughout the whole book so I was like okay whatever well yeah it was like okay well cool yeah like they're inner they're entwined their lives are so entwined at this point yeah it makes yeah no shit he recognizes their handwriting (laughs) and obviously they're gonna continue making games no one thought that they were never gonna make a game together again like I questioned it I'm not going to lie to you. I quit. When she moved back to Boston, I was like, uh-oh. They're just like on a cycle. They just like always go kind of back and forth. Like they're going to make another game. They're going to hate each other after that game for a little bit. And then they're, they'll give it a couple of years and then they'll make another game again. Kelly, I'm really bad at pattern recognition. Like in, in my brain, like that's the part of my IQ that is very low compared to the other part of my IQ. I've had literal testing done and she was like, oh, pattern recognition, not your thing, huh? And I was like, not even in real life. Um, and so genuinely, I wonder if that's why I was able to enjoy this book more because you recognize patterns much more quickly than I do. <laughs> no, this hasn't happened before. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not even that, but it just like, it just feels like a regular ebb and flow of whatever. I don't see a cyclical nature in it. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And so I wonder if that's why I was able to just be like, I don't know. It's how life is. <laughs> yeah. I which which I mean, like there are patterns in life. That is how yeah. life is. But then I was like, I'm sick of reading them. this. Like we get the point that they follow the same pattern over and over again. And that's going to continue. <laughs> See, I did. If, I didn't like, even think about honestly, that. I was like, she could have kept writing this book until the, all the characters died. Like it would have been the same thing. <laughs> that's really funny. I did not think about that at all. And once again, this is another time where you've pointed out a a pattern that is real. This is exactly what's happening. And I didn't notice it. And so I was able to just be like, la, 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 la. <laughs> this book was perfect. La, la, yeah, la. Wait, wait, and like, again, I enjoyed the first 350 pages. I didn't have an yeah. issue with the pattern because I thought she was going like somewhere profound with it. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw that she wasn't going somewhere profound with it, that's when I was like, nah, okay, well, I just like, I just want to finish this book to say I finished it that's really funny <laughs> so my review was again four and a half stars because largely mm-hmm. that was i enjoyed the book but yeah, yeah it was like the ending was meh. i also didn't cry usually i cry i was surprised i didn't cry really i'm surprised parts. you didn't cry too i most of my notes in our story graph was like well i'm crying again why am i crying about this part i don't know however i did cry today just thinking about the movie dead poet society so Maybe I'm just emotional right now. You're a pretty easy crier. I, <laughs> you know what? I stopped being such an easy crier after a year of mission work. Did I ever tell you that? Yeah. I think you've Good. said that. Okay. And because you were like, oh, it's not normal to cry this much. <laughs> I, yeah. I literally found out, hey, guess what? Um, and for any of our listeners who are still sticking with us to the end of this episode, crying every day is maybe a sign that something's wrong. That's all. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's all, that's all that I have to say. Um, love you. That is rule number two in <laughs> our playbook. Stick to the bit. 90% of the time, make the joke. If you're crying every day, maybe get that checked out. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe talk to somebody about it. There you go. I don't know. All right. Are we ready for our listener review of the book? Yes. This is okay. okay awesome. 
I have been so excited about this because this is the first listener review that we have. So just if you're listening, if you read our books, please send us your reviews because we love reading them and we want to share them at the end of our episodes. So yes, because we love knowing what you think about it too. All right. So here's the review. It's from Miranda. Um, and she wrote in, not a gamer girl, but absolutely loved the gaming content. I felt like I was learning while enjoying a well-written book. I'm very thankful for the podcast. We're thankful for you too, Miranda, um, because I wouldn't have picked up this book without it. Oh my gosh. She's such a sweet human being. Miranda, I love you. Thanks for writing in. So good to hear from you. <laughs> Seriously, thank you for writing in. Uh, and also solid review. Um, I also probably would not have picked this book up without this podcast we were trying to pick something a little bit different so i definitely wouldn't have i want you to know that when i picked up this book i thought that it was a ya rom-com that was also sci-fi and about video games i thought it was science fiction and i don't think this is science fiction at all it just talks about video games yeah this is not science fiction i literally read the first chapter and i was like i hate this book how am i going to make it through 400 pages and then I was like, oh, but it's sci-fi. Maybe they fall into a video game. That's what no. I thought it was. I 100% <laughs> thought, thought that that's what was going to happen. And then I realized very uh-huh. quickly I was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> same. I got like 20 pages in and went, dang it, that is not what's happening in this book. Yeah. Um, also, this book is not YA. If you're not like, don't try to read it, teenager. This is not a teenager's book even, honestly. Like, I don't know, maybe some teenagers would enjoy it. I don't think I could have handled reading this book as a teenager. I think it would have like messed me up. I'm an adult and it messed me up. You know what I mean? Probably just because it's like recent, like a modern book, you know, like all of the other classics that I read are definitely not meant for teenagers either. (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. But it has a lot of like adult content and also like a long list of trigger warnings. You know what I mean? Like when you look at Storygraph, there's a long, long list of trigger warnings, which are valid. Um, But so anyhow, just like if you want to read this book, read with caution and maybe read it with a friend who you can debrief with. And if after reading it, you cry every day, you know, you know what to do. Go find somebody. Talk to them about it. Also, the cover art of this book is beautiful. I love the, the way this book looks. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for joining us for another book club. Next month, we are reading Anatomy. A love, a love story, and I don't know who the author is off the top of my head, but it is a it is YA, and I think it's set in like the 1500s or something like that. And it's like a girl who wants to become a surgeon, and then she like falls in love with this other surgeon. And so I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was kind of like a Renaissance Grey's Anatomy, so I was like, and it was two dollars on Kindle when I saw it. So I was like, Mariah, do you want to read this next month or in, in August? Said, okay. And you're like, sure, okay. So. <laughs> I'm pretty much down for whatever at this point. So, I feel like my yeah. taste in books has really grown since we have had this. It's definitely forced me to read, like Miranda said, it has definitely forced me to read books that I would not normally read. I think yes. many, like many of the books we've read are books that I would not Yeah, they're not books that would have even shown up on my radar if we weren't reading them together. So I'm glad that we're doing this. Fun times. We'll see you next month, readers. (laughs) Yeah. And remember, you can rate us and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. We are keeping things updated there for the most part. Um, And read along with us for the next month's book. It might still be $2 on Kindle. Who knows? But 
more than that, you should buy your book off of bookshop.org <gasps> and support Peak Distraction Podcast because when you buy the book, you support us. Amazing. Amazing. So if you're going to read the book with us and you need to purchase it somewhere, you know where to purchase it. it is also the link not- is in the description. Yes, the link to Bookshop is in the description. It is also, I can confirm, not $2 on Kindle. It was a daily deal. Never mind. (laughs) It was only valid for 24 hours like six months ago. (laughs) Shoot. Never mind. I take it all back. It's definitely not $2 anymore. Sorry, friends. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah. Bye. Love you guys. Keep being buckaroos. Bye. Remember, only hot girls have ADHD. But not all hot girls have ADHD. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, y'all. Remember to check the description for this month's book club pick. Deuces. Bye. Bye. Love Love you. you.